You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. All right. Well, welcome, everyone. If you have your Bibles, please turn to the book of Romans, chapter number 9. Romans 9. And, uh, boy, I sure have enjoyed uh, these first chapters of Romans. Romans 1 through 8 are just some of the most glorious uh, words you will ever read. And I encourage every child of God to familiarize themselves uh, to a uh, very deep and great extent with the book of Romans, especially uh, those first eight chapters as far as redemption and salvation goes. Um, And chapter 9 introduces kind of a new section in the book of Romans. Uh, For the first eight chapters of this epistle, uh, there was an in-depth look at the gospel, the good news uh, of what it means to be saved, the good news of God's grace in salvation. Uh, Chapters 9, 10, and 11 uh, explain God's dealings with Israel. Uh, past, present, and future. And I realize as I say that, that it may not sound extremely exciting that we're going to look at God's dealings with Israel, past, present, and future, uh, but, <clears throat> but there's going to be some great, great uh, lessons in here that we're going to see. Um, and um, there's two reasons I'm excited about going into chapters 9, 10, and 11 as we go through this. It's one of the benefits oftentimes of preaching through a book of the Bible, which is very rare for me to do on a Sunday morning. Um, Because it gets you to say, you know, if you're studying along and you come to a chapter and you think, I don't know if I want to deal with that right now or not. It's just like, nope, it's here. We're dealing with it. We're going right through. Uh, But I'm excited about it because the truths that are discussed in chapters 9, 10, and 11, they actually clear up some false doctrines that have been been around uh, for hundreds of years, but they are permeating the church and some of them seem to be growing within the church in the 21st century. Uh, and two of those that will be that will have to be addressed as we go through these chapters is that of hyper Calvinism. We addressed that a little bit in chapter number eight uh, because uh, they uh, misapply some of the the verses that are used in in these passages. Um, and so then also that of replacement theology. Yeah. Replacement theology, and that's a very popular doctrine in our day. And replacement theology is basically just saying that the church has replaced Israel, and therefore all the promises that pertain to Israel now have been uh, moved over to uh, the New Testament church. And uh, But we'll be able to address these because uh, one thing... God tells us for sure it does tell us about the past, Israel's past. It does tell us about their present, but it also tells us that Israel has a future. Uh, and folks, we are we, we are benefactors to live in a time. It's amazing to me people that have their doctrine off uh, when it comes to the coming of the Lord and, and the, prophecy, the doctrine of end times, uh, eschatology, because we have seen and we are seeing God move and bring the things about that He said that He would do. And so we'll, we'll be addressing all, some of those as we go through. So I'm excited to get through the section because it will help us and strengthen us as we uh, have to deal with the false doctrine that's around us in this day and age. But also, there's many applications that will impact our lives on a practical level. And that's where I want to preach this morning is on a very practical level, uh, looking in Romans chapter 9, and I want to just start reading in verse number 1. Now remember, we just came from shouting, man. We just came off the mountaintop. We just came from rejoicing because of salvation, uh, salvation from hell, uh, salvation in this life, the, the fact that we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. 
But then he goes into chapter 9 and you just see a stark contrast and a stark turn, it seems, when he says in chapter 9 verse 1, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. So he's really affirming that what he says right now, he means that I have a great heaviness and a continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are the Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the services of the service of God and the promises. And he goes on through. I'll read verse 5 just to complete the sentence. Uh, Whose are the fathers and of whom as concerning the flesh Christ came who is over all. God bless forever. Amen. I want to deal with Paul's introduction to this section because there's a very practical question that I think arises in this section. Now, as I said, from Romans 1 through 8, how many of you today are glad and thankful for the glorious truths of God's amazing grace? Anybody? Amen. I mean, isn't it wonderful to know that the extent, and I tell you, I don't think that we still know the extent to which God loves us. We kind of thought about that this morning in Sunday school. Think about all of His thoughts toward us yeah. are more than the grains of sand on the sea and uh, and just vast. I mean, His great love for us, His great salvation, the fact that God did it all. Amen. I mean, uh, good news is the fact that we were born sinners. That's not good news necessarily. We were born sinners, but it's the fact that has to be addressed. We're lost. Uh, there's, uh, we're on our way to hell, but hell was not created for us. That's good news. Yes. And so uh, Jesus Christ paid the price. God the Father gave His only begotten Son. God devised a plan to come save sinners. Amen. Amen. God's not willing that any should perish, that should, but, but all should come to repentance. Uh, do you remember the first time maybe you heard that story? Or maybe the first time you really heard it? Yeah. And that you really got it. And that it wasn't just that, yeah, this religious thing, Jesus died for people, whatever. But the time when you realized that Jesus died and rose again for you. Amen. I mean, what a glorious day. What a glorious truth. I mean, He's provided a plan for all mankind to be saved. Even when we were lost in the darkness of depravity of sin. Listen, we were without hope in this world. We were not looking for God. Uh, he saves us by His grace through faith. And what's more, He indwells us and makes us more than conquerors in this life. Amen. See, He does not save us uh, by His grace and say, okay, now it's up to you. No, He says He saves us and then He empowers us to live a life that would please and glorify Him. I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's awesome that God has blessed us uh, in not only in this life, but in the life to come. The Bible says we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amen. Folks, the good news is this. If you are saved, you are taken care of. Your past was taken care of. Amen. Jesus paid for your sins. Your present is taken care of. We're more than conquerors. There's nothing that can come up against us. Nothing that we can encounter. Nothing that we will ever face that is as big as our God is. Amen. And, uh, and, and then our future is, ta is, is taken care of. Folks, hallelujah. I'm glad the Bible teaches us and emphasizes it in Romans chapter 8 the security of the believer. 
that if you're truly saved, you are saved for all eternity. Amen. You're saved for all eternity. And man, if that's not great news, I don't know what is. Amen. I mean, the gospel. And so that's what's being taught in uh, from chapters 1 up through chapters number 8. But then there's chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. How does this correlate? How does Paul go from just saying hallelujah? Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing can separate us from His great, great love. But there's a transition. And I believe that it's meant to be a stark and a definite transition because it is... And by the way, I believe this is one of the things that separates the New Testament church from the modern day emerging church. See, because a lot of times what is popular today is the truths that we preach about being a success and being a conqueror. These are often misapplied to saying you're going to be wealthy and healthy uh, all the time if you uh, are living for the Lord. Uh, That's often misapplied. But one thing's for sure, uh, man, listen, uh, you know, one time I heard it was said in like a derogatory way that someone had called us the love church. And, but I didn't take that as offensive. Amen? I took it as a compliment. Uh, because, man, if there's nothing more uh, that the Bible teaches, it teaches us about the love of God, the love of Christ. And we want to love people, amen, and show people His love. And, and, and in doing that, we hate sin. But we love the sinner, amen? We love people. We care about people. Just like God was willing to love us where we were, uh, what makes us any better than that? And that amazes me that people get so highfalutin that they, uh, they, 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 they try to act, act holier than Jesus acted when He was on this earth. In other words, Jesus loved sinners. Jesus cared for sinners. Jesus reached out to sinners. And by the way, if you're wondering who a sinner is, we're all sinners, amen? Just some of us are sinners saved by the grace of God. But, but this is one of the things that separates because um, the, 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 the emerging church, the church today that kind of takes a poll and says, okay, what do people want to hear? And that's what we're going to talk about. What do people want in the church? And that's what we're going to offer. Uh, I mean, and just totally base everything they do off of that instead of off the Word of God. Folks, we've got to follow the Word of God. Amen. At our church, our lives, everything. If we want to have a sure foundation, it needs to be built on God's Word. Because what this shows, and you'll see it time and time again in God's Word, is there's doctrine, there's doctrine, and doctrine is good, doctrine is teaching. But always with doctrine follows duty. Follows duty. Always with our blessings. There follows the fact that we should have a burden. That we should have a burden. In other words, one of the things I feel like that the emerging church has fed into is this thing that it's all about me. It's all about me. And it's all about you. But it's not all about us, amen? It's all about Him. And it's all about the people in this world that He loves. It's all about the people around us that He loves and cares for. And so uh, that's what is being introduced in this section. It's just really a natural transition. I mean, because... Uh, when we look at the glorious doctrines uh, in Romans 1-8, through 8, we think about how we're blessed and how that we're a success and how uh, God is willing to share His love for us. But here's the great, great news that since we have been given this great gift, since we have been given this great knowledge and we know Christ now as our Savior, we're not just following some religion, we know the Lord. 
Paul just transitions and says, yes, I'm rejoicing. I'm raising my hands. I'm shouting and I'm praising God for this glorious salvation and that He saved my soul and that He's given me victory in this life. He said, but at the same time, I've got a burden in my heart. I've got a burden in my heart. My heart is heavy. Verse 2 says that I have a great heaviness and a continual sorrow in my heart. Why? It reminds me so much. I love the story of the, of the woman that went, uh, the, the Samaritan woman in John chapter number 4. The Bible says that she was a, a woman that went out uh, at midday to get water from the well. It was traditional that the women would go out together in the morning and get uh, water. All the indications are is that this woman was an outcast as she went out to the water, at a, out to the well at a time different from the other ladies. Uh, we know that she had been married five times and was currently living with a man that was not her husband. This woman was uh, uh, not only rejected by the religious crowd, this, this woman was rejected by polite society. But she meets a man by the name of Jesus. And when she comes out there, Jesus is sitting on the well. And she comes out and there's this whole discourse that goes and, and He says, you know, if you, if you draw from this well and drink of this water, you'll thirst again. But if you'll, get, if you'll drink of the water that I shall give, He said, you'll never thirst. You'll never thirst again. And of course, he was talking about a spiritual thirst that can only be quenched through salvation and knowing Him. And so Jesus shows mercy on this woman that was an outcast. Jesus offers salvation to this woman. This woman trusts Him as her Savior. So she's got a thirst that has been quenched. And it's so cool because when you read in the Bible, the Bible says she left her water pot there. She'd come out there to get a drink of water, but she never even lowered that uh, pot down to get any water because she got living water. Amen. But you know what? Her thirst changed. Why did she leave her pot? You know why? Because she still had a thirst. She had a thirst that was quenched, but then she had a new thirst, a new desire that arose within her. Amen. And what does the Bible say? Many of you know the story. She went back into the town. And she began to tell people about this man. Come see a man which told me all things whatsoever I did. I want to tell you about this man called Jesus. And it's so awesome because there in the very same connection, Jesus is there at the well waiting for His disciples to bring Him some food. And they're going to eat. And when they get there and they bring the food, He says, I have meat to eat that you know not of. In other words, man, I'm satisfied with what just happened. I'm satisfied that this woman has trusted Christ. And he said, I want you to look onto the fields for they're white already to harvest. And as they looked up, there was a multitude of people coming out from Samaria. Amen. This woman leading the way. Come see a man. See, her thirst was quenched. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad your thirst was quenched? Aren't you glad that you've been saved by the grace of God? It's so wonderful. But may God help us to have another thirst to say, you know what? I need to share this good news with somebody else. That's good. Amen. I need to share this good news with somebody else. I need somebody else to know what it means to have their sins forgiven. Amen. I want somebody else to know what it means to be saved. Yes. Oh, my friend, listen, that ought to be the desire of our heart, just like the Apostle Paul. My heart's desire and, and prayer for Israel. But notice this, what he says here, that I have a great heaviness in my heart, verse 2, and continual sorrow in my heart, for I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ, that my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are the Israelites. 
And I want to preach on this thought this morning. How far will you go? How far will you go? Now the Samaritan woman didn't have to go too far. She just went right back into town. And she told all people about what Jesus, everybody that would listen to her, she told them about what Jesus did for her. And the Apostle Paul, we know how far he would go. And I want to look at some of the wording that he used here. For one thing, he says, I have a continual, a continual sorrow in my heart. Uh, A continual sorrow. That means permanent, without ceasing. So throughout everything he went through, all of his rejoicing, all the good times, all the praising God over people that come to Christ and, and Christians that were encouraged in the faith, through all of that, he had a burden, nagging, a continual, a permanent, without ceasing type of sorrow in his heart. It's kind of an awesome thing when you think about it. Paul has been telling us about the manifold work of the Holy Spirit of God. All that the Spirit of God does in our hearts and lives. Isn't it amazing? I mean, and again, it's hard for us to even grasp all of it. But now he's demonstrating yet another work of the Holy Spirit of God. And here it is. Helping our hearts beat together with the very heartbeat of God. What God cares about the most, and that is souls. That is souls. That is people that we know, people that we love, people that we uh, know and may not love very much. But it's people that need Christ. See, you think about the great extents that starting with the Lord Himself, um, but all throughout the Bible that people went through. See, think about this for a moment. We all rejoice in the fact that we got to hear the Gospel, come to Christ and we're saved. But man... Think about it. I'm glad somebody cared enough to tell me, aren't you? That's right. I'm glad somebody cared enough to get up and preach it. I'm glad somebody cared enough to wherever I was. You know, of course, this church is, is a new church, but every church that's a Bible preaching church, at some point in some time, somebody moved to that area and started that church, right? God planted that church there. Aren't you glad somebody cared enough? How far will you go? And what it is is that the work of the Holy Spirit helping us to love. What's the Bible saying in Galatians 5.22? It says the fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Uh, Romans 5.5, we've already covered this verse. Romans 5.5 says, The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. I mean, overflowing. It's all over the place by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. So the Holy Spirit of God works this love and this care within our hearts that we can reach out and make a difference in the life of someone else. How far are you willing to go? And I got that that, that thought come to my mind when I read what Paul is saying here in verse 3 of our text. He says, For I could wish that I myself were accursed. That word accursed is anathema. Anathema. And anathema, cursed, literally means and carries the idea of being damned. Being condemned. The Apostle Paul is going so far as to say, I, if it were possible, I would go to hell. If it meant the Jews being saved, if it meant the nation of Israel being saved, I would be willing to go to hell. Now I want to tell you right now a couple of things. Number one, 
I don't believe that we have to be willing to go to hell for somebody else to be saved. Uh, and I'll tell you something else. I sure can't even imagine wanting to be saved that much, or wanting someone else to be saved that much. I want people to be saved, but the that's that's how far the apostle Paul said. And he says, "I'm telling you the truth." That's one of the reasons he said, "The Holy Ghost can bear me witness, my heart's desire. I want to see them saved so bad that I would be willing to suffer eternal torments if it meant them being saved from those same eternal torments." Any of you willing to go that far? I don't think that I am. I'm sure that I'm not. And God's not asking us to go that far. Praise the Lord, I've said it already. You have eternal security, that's not an option. God's not going to let somebody trade, uh, trade in their salvation for someone else's. That's an impossibility. But, what, but, but, but it still just hits me. I mean, because he was willing, he was willing to do something. How far was willing to go? Now, listen, you could look at that almost as sentiment, but one thing that we know the Apostle Paul did do, he cared. See, it starts with caring. And then that caring is followed by a commitment. And that commitment is followed by action, by going, by doing. So we first of all, we've got to care. The psalmist said over and I wonder how many people feel this way. I wonder how many people listen to me feel this way. Psalm 142, verse 4. I looked on my right hand, and behold, there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. How many people do you think are out there today that they think nobody cares about them? Yeah. I want to tell you, there's a lot. Amen. There's a lot. And you know what they need? They need somebody to show them the love of Christ. Uh, and how far are you willing to go? No, God's not asking us to be willing to go to this extent. But you know what Paul did do? Uh, thank God he's in heaven today. But what he was willing to do is he cared, therefore he committed to go. He cared, he committed, he went. He did what it took. And this man uh, spent the next 30 years of his life from the moment that he was saved trying to spread the gospel and lead people to Christ. Listen, he went about establishing churches, preaching. He went from, uh, from uh, place to place. And I'm going to tell you something about the New Testament church in general. Whenever Jesus, uh, after, after Jesus ascended or after Jesus resurrected, he made an initial ascension, but then he came back to earth and for 40 days, do you realize Jesus was on earth 40 days after the resurrection? Yeah. And before he ascended after the resurrection, he had some departing words to the church, didn't he? And to his disciples in particular, but it applies to us today. And here's what he said, Go ye therefore, he said, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations... That means to bring people the knowledge. Get it into their minds. Let them hear the good news. Go forth and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth. So Jesus gave a command to go. And here's one of the amazing things, folks. The church reached the known world in their generation. Amen. These men reached the known world. There's over 7 billion, close to 8 billion people, I believe, on the face of this earth. It seems insurmountable. It seems impossible. There are people that have not... We are told it's hard for me to believe just as much as it is for you, but there's people that, that supposedly there are literally millions, and it might be even close to 2 billion, they say, that have never even heard the name of Christ. 
I don't know about that, but I do know one thing. There's a lot of people that haven't heard a clear presentation of the gospel and had an opportunity to be saved all over this world. And so that's why Jesus says to go. And I'm telling you, it's not God's fault that they, these people haven't been reached because He's given the church the command and the church over the centuries have failed to do this. Amen. And, uh, you know, you, you ever remember hearing the old story about the, the penny? Would you rather have, a, what is it, a million dollars? Would you rather have a penny every day that doubles each day over a month? And uh, if you do that, it adds up into a whole lot more. Well, somebody sat down and did the math and said that if, if one person could reach one other person for the Lord this year, say this coming year, 2019, that if they could reach one person, uh, lead them to Christ, and disciple them to where that person in turn could um, lead someone else to Christ, disciple them, and that person could lead someone else to Christ, that if you had 10 people that started doing that, that I believe within like 10 years you could reach like 10 billion people or something, more than on the earth. Now that's theoretical, you know, it doesn't happen just like that. But it just goes to show you that it's possible and that God does care. And it really does start with caring. Paul went, how far are you willing to go? Now I will say this today. God may not ever call you to leave your state to go somewhere uh, and reach somebody for the gospel. He may not, but I will say this. We need to be willing to go wherever God would have us to go. Amen. One of the great uh, indicators on whether or not my life is fully surrendered to Christ is if I have any reservations whatsoever. I need to be willing to say, Lord, wherever you want me to go, I will go. Amen. Whatever you want me to do, I will do. Whatever you want me to say, I will say, Lord, I am at your disposal. And that's what we see in Romans 12, 1 and 2, and we'll see that when we get there. A living sacrifice. And, it, and I say that because, can I be honest with you? There used to be a time to where I'd say, Lord, I would go anywhere for you except here. But I'd be willing to do anything else and go anywhere else. Anybody else? God, I'd, really, I'd be willing to do anything. I'd be willing to do anything, God, except for maybe this and that. But I'd do everything else. That's not the way it works. May God help. That, that's not full surrender. Full surrender for the child of God is saying, Lord, I'm going to trust you. Because you think about it, what are we saying if we say, Lord, I'll go anywhere but except for here? Yeah. Or I'll say anything or I'll do anything except for A, B, or C. You know what we're saying in that? We're basically saying, because God, I sure don't trust you yeah. to put me in the right situation or put me where you'd have me to go or, or what have you. Um, and so, that, that's a tough place to get to. I'm, I'm telling you, it took, me, it took me a while of praying and seeking to where I could get my heart to the place where I said, okay, Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go. And then here it is, I'm in South Dakota, amen? And I wouldn't change it for anything. I wouldn't be anywhere else. Uh, this is where God wants me to be. I'm so thankful for a wife that's got that same kind of attitude, amen? I couldn't uh, thank God more for a wife of 20-something years. Uh, 20, 20, 21 <laughs> Something like that. Over 20 years. Listen, that is willing to say, you know what? Yeah, wherever God wants you to go. Because a lot of people, you know, it could have been really easy for her to say, where? And I tell you, there's a lot. Uh, I tell you, I'm so blessed. And I don't, I just, but I, th I do want to thank God because there's really a lot of preachers' wives that I've known over the years that say, oh yeah, I'll go anywhere the Lord sends us as long as it's within 20 miles of Mama's house. 
You know, uh, and, 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 and I, I say that kind of kidding, but that's what's happened a lot of times. People have, uh, men have moved out and man, they, they're going to go do a work for God somewhere. And, 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 and they have a wife that just says, no, I can't do it. I've got to go back. And I appreciate uh, the commitment of my wife. But what I'm saying is this, uh, there was a time that I would have thought coming to South Dakota would have been a curse. Lord, what did I do? You know, but I tell you, it could not be a greater blessing. I mean, I mean it. It could not be a greater blessing. Why? Because this is what God has for my life. Amen. Amen. God has me here. Where, and I'm telling you, there's no place else I would rather be. And I'm telling you, as I look around at your faces, and as I think about you, and as I think about maybe ones that aren't here today, I promise you one thing, there's, there's, there's no amount of money that could equal what you mean to me. And to see what God has done in your life could mean to me. And I'm not trying to make this about me, but all I'm saying is I'm glad that I came to a place in my life one day to where I said, Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go. And even, by the way, many of you know the story. When he first said South Dakota, I said, did you say Montana? Did you say Washington State, Lord? Uh, I kid you not. I, I, I said, okay, west it is, you know. Uh, and I, I'll go out to one of these places. And it's like, no, 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 South Dakota. Um, and I'm telling you, I'm so thankful today. But, but, but at first I wasn't as thankful because I really was. And as I've told you all before, I've got to move on but, uh, and get back into this. But i just got to share my heart with this uh, that many of you have heard. I remember me and Melanie were just dating at the time, sitting at her house watching uh, uh, Rescue 911, this uh, you know, series about people calling 911 and things happening. The thing, only thing I remember is, was it 96, 97, they had the huge blizzard out here. Uh, and it was based on that and a woman that had ran off the road because it was a whiteout, she couldn't see. And they were showing pictures and talking about how much it snowed. And I mean, it was just, the drifts were like up to second story houses and it was just nuts. And, and I remember literally, the only thing I, I remember looking at my wife and said, man, I don't care if I ever go to that place. <laughs> She wasn't my wife at the time either. She was my girl. I don't care if I ever go there. Uh, and then here's where we are. Amen? Uh, but, but my point is, I'm telling you, God is good. Amen? And so you can trust Him. You can trust Him with your life. Uh, you can trust Him with whatever He'd have you to do. How far would you be willing to go? God may not call you to go anywhere, but here's the thing. Would you at least be willing to maybe go to a family member? Amen. Go to a neighbor? Speak to the person out at the store. Invite them. And you know, if nothing else, you can invite them to church. And you don't have to be able to say a whole lot. I, I do want to do some more teaching and training on soul winning and on, on, on kind of scenarios and everything. But if you could just tell them what God did in your life. You just get these verses. You, you, you can learn some of these verses or mark some of these verses and just say, hey, I would like to share with you what God said. And then you say, well, I'm scared. You know what many people fear? Somebody may ask me some other questions. What if they ask me about this or that or something else? Well, you can kind of say there was a great, there's a great story in the Bible about a young man that Jesus healed <laughs> that had been lame. And they, uh, the, the doctors and the Pharisees all began to question him because Jesus raised him up and he was walking around. And they said, Hey, who's this guy that healed you? And they were asking him all these questions. He said, well, whether he be the Christ or, no, or not, I'm not sure. But I'll tell you one thing I know. As where I was... Uh, wait, was he blind? He was blind, wasn't he? Thank you, forgive me. All right. Uh, but he was blind. And he says, wherefore I was blind, but now I see. Amen. Amen. He wasn't lame, sorry. Maybe he tripped a couple times since he was blind, but <laughs> that's probably what I was thinking about. But anyway... Uh, 
he was blind, uh, but then he could say, and that's all he said. I, well, I can't, I can't tell you all that, but I can tell you one thing. I can tell you what Jesus did in my life. Amen. I can tell you what Jesus did in my life. And you can do that. And that's what, uh, that, that's what the woman at the well did. She said, just, I want you to come see a man. Care about somebody. Grab a gospel track and Amen. say, hey, would you read this? Yes. I care. And they'll say, oh, no, I've tried church. No, 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 I'm not talking about church. I'm talking about Jesus. Yeah, and, and, and if you come to our church, you're going to hear about Jesus. It's not about trying to convert to some religion or Amen. switch religions. It's about meeting a person. It's about a personal relationship with Christ. Listen, what are you willing to go? We don't have to be willing to go to hell, but what are we willing to do? Where are we willing to go? What are we willing to give? Again, Paul cared enough that he was able to commit his life to souls. He was a, before he was saved, he was a self-righteous Pharisee persecuting Christians when the Lord came where he was and saved his soul. And for the next 30 years, he gave it all, all the way until he offered his life. Because, because of preaching, he ended up in jail. But even there, he said, okay, I'm a prisoner of the Lord now. See, that's where a lot of us struggle. I've committed my life to Christ and I wanted to do this for the Lord, but now I'm stuck in this situation. Paul didn't say I'm stuck in jail. He says I'm a prisoner of the Lord. He saw the situation he found himself in as, as dictated by the providence of God. And he says, okie dokie then. I don't know if he said that exactly. But he says, alright. He says, if this is where God has me, I'm just going to start witnessing to these guards. And when I get a chance to stand before the governors and the Caesars and whoever else, I'm just going to tell them about Christ. Amen. See, and don't get discouraged if your life hasn't worked out just like you thought it would. If things hadn't gone just like you thought they were. Listen, you're in a place right now and God can use you in the place that you're in. So let God use you. I mean, you think about this. Jesus cared, didn't He? Jesus cared, He committed, and He came. That, and you know, you didn't know this was a Christmas message this morning. But this is a Christmas message. Why? Because what we're celebrating is the fact that Jesus cared. He committed and He came. He came through the virgin's womb. Why? For one point. See, people get mixed up with Christmas. And this is one of the, one of the, one of the unfortunate things about Christmas is people get really hung up on the baby. But one thing that we've got to always remember, and by the way, this is a great time of year to talk to people about the Lord. Did you know that? Amen. You can just ask people, do you know why Jesus came? Because He came to die. Why did He die? Because the wages of sin is death. Amen. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. I've sinned. You've sinned. But Jesus cares for you. And He came. The reason He was born is so that He could go to that old rugged cross and bear our sins and rise again the third day so that we could be saved by the grace of God. It's a great time of year to witness. So this, in, in, in essence, you could almost say is a Christmas message because He cared. Jesus wept over Israel. Matthew 23, verse 37, He says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. But he, he moans and He groans, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Jesus was a friend of sinners. He was good, gracious, and merciful to those that He encountered. He was hard on the religious leaders, but they were because they were perverting the truth and therefore men's perspective of God and perception of God, but he would be a friend if they would humbly turn and come to him like Nicodemus did. 
See, and we've got that mixed up today. Religious people try to be good to other religious people, and then they stick their noses up at sinners. That's not how Jesus did. If it was people, if it was Pharisaical people that thought they were all holier than thou and high and mighty, boy, those were the people that Jesus had something tough to say to. But I'm telling you, with those that were broken by sin, you see a tender, merciful side of our Lord that was trying to reach out and make a difference. And so, uh, go, he says. Jesus went. Uh, Paul went. He commands us to go. I shared with you the passage out of Matthew uh, 23, but I'll share with you, or I'm sorry, 20, uh, 28, but I'll share with you quickly uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you sh- shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And we get mixed up with that sometimes because we think it's, it becomes all about us again. But it says, you shall receive power if the Holy Ghost has come upon you. But notice what the Scripture teaches. And you shall be witnesses unto me. Amen. We get so wrapped up in our problems. We get so wrapped up in our own selves sometimes. And our own self-righteousness that we fail to remember that the reason we've been so blessed is that we might bless somebody else. Jesus said to that woman, He said, when you drink from this fountain, He said, it'll be a well springing up in everlasting life. In John chapter 7, Jesus said, it'll be like a river of living water. See, we take in so that we can put out. We take in so that we can give out. Our lives ought to be refreshing. Our lives ought to be blessing somebody. God is blessing you. And God is wanting to use you for a channel to bless somebody else. That's what a river is. I mean, it just keeps flowing. But if we're not careful in this modern day uh, attitude, we can become a reservoir. And we just take in and we take in and we get stale and we get stagnant and we get bitter. But if we can find an outlet to begin to care for somebody else, love somebody else, reach somebody else. The Good Samaritan is a good example of that. In Luke chapter number 10, that man had been downtrodden. He'd been robbed and beaten Uh, in Luke 10. He'd been passed by. Religion had passed him by. You know what? There's a lot of people that religion has passed by, therefore they don't think they have no hope. The priest and the Levite passed right by this man, but this Good Samaritan came along and saved him and helped him. It's a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ coming to us. The woman at the well that we mentioned. We think about the missionaries that go around the world. Uh, But listen, Michael mentioned it on Wednesday that missions is not just across the seas. It's not just across the states, but it's also across the street. Because that's what I want to say. This is just like men, women, boys, and girls that care enough to pray. Do you care enough to pray? Do you care enough to daily call out somebody's name to Jesus? Lord, this person needs salvation. Lord, please save their souls. Every day, begin to pray. This is you making a difference. Care enough. Care enough to pray. Care enough to commit. Care enough to go. And I want to close with just a few verses here and then a closing illustration. The theme I want to be for 2019 going forward, maybe the theme of our church just should be all the time, but in Jude chapter 1, verse 22, the Bible says, and of some have compassion, making a difference. And that's it right there. Making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. But he says, if some have compassion, making a difference. That ought to be the heartbeat of every one of us in here today. Making a difference in somebody else's life. 
The Epic Kids just recently learned the acronym. It's funny because it's actually a part of my Wednesday night uh, lesson, if I'm ever able to get back to it. But it's, it's, it's the acronym for joy. J-O-Y. How are we going to have joy in our life? If we put J-Jesus first. If we put O-Other second. And we put Y-Yourselves last. Joy. That's how it's going to happen. Making a difference. Um, again, we don't have to be willing to go to hell. But what are we willing to do? Where are we willing to go? What are we willing to give? I would be remiss out of all the things that I will have to skip because of time today if I did not share Romans 1, 14-16 where the Apostle Paul gave his attitude about reaching the world. He says, I am debtor. I am debtor. Both to the Greeks and the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise, so as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He says, I'm a debtor and I'm not ashamed. I heard one of the greatest preachers uh, from... A previous generation, Dr. Harold Seitler, heard that he had said one time that, uh, that he uh, understands that he's a debtor. He doesn't have trouble with that. He understands that he's a debtor to all. But he said this, and it amazed me to hear it come from this man that had preached and went across the road preaching and committing his entire life to reaching people and building uh, the work of God. But he said, he said, the one part I still have trouble with sometimes is that verse 16, I'm not ashamed. He said, because there's times that I'm ashamed. Now, don't judge anybody else if you're not that way this morning. But if you ever wanted to speak to somebody and you were kind of ashamed, they're going to think I'm a nut. They're going to think, you know, they're going to think, I know you. What are you doing telling me about Jesus? Or we're going to be ashamed because they're going to ask a question that we don't know the answer to. You know, we can just say, I don't know the answer to that, but I do know the answer to this. I know how you can be saved. <laughs> are you saved? That's good. The Lord loves you. I'm praying for you. I mean, listen, may God help us. You know, sometimes we're about to talk to somebody and we decide not to. I've, I've had that times in my life and by God's grace, uh, there's been times that I've overcome that. There's been other times that I haven't. But I can think of times where I have overcome that and God has worked in that person's life when I initially was ashamed to speak to them and come up with all kinds of excuses. But then I said to myself, you know what, Lord, I want to speak. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to speak to them. Because... Always remember this. Please put this into your mind if you don't take anything else away. If God is speaking to you, understand this, God always works on both ends. Yes. I believe that with all of my heart. I believe if God is telling you to, pre to speak to this person, I can think of a Jessica that God wanted me to speak to. I can think of a Josh that God wanted me to speak to that I did not want to speak to. But here's the thing you've got to understand. God works on both ends. If He was talking to my heart about Jessica, you know why? Because He was talking to Jessica's heart. Right. He was talking to my heart about Josh. You know why? Because He was also speaking to Josh's heart. And so by me obeying, God was able to use what I said to get the truth and God's love to these people. And so uh, that, that's the way we've got to understand. And I'm going to close with this because we think, you know, we could think about the great need of the world, the billions of people that need Christ in the world. But the way they're reached is honestly one soul at a time. And as we stand and as Sonia comes perhaps, and I want to, I want to share this uh, testimony. I, there's many of these that I could share with you, but I want to share a testimony about a blind soul winner. 
there was a, uh, a missionary in Africa that told a story about a very elderly woman that came to Christ um, through his ministry there. Uh, she was she could neither read nor write, and she braille none of that. She she didn't have uh, any literacy, but she was saved, and she understood what it meant to be saved, and she asked the Lord to save her. She went to the missionary. John three sixteen was the verse that impacted her heart especially. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. She asked that missionary, she said, would you please underline that in, in this Bible? She had a Bible. She couldn't read it, but she had this Bible. Can you please underline that? Well, he underlined it, and she said, and mark it. So he marked it, and this woman went out to the local school. In Africa, it's a different setting and everything, but regardless, she went out there, and as those boys, it was a French Bible, and as those boys walked out, she said, can you read French? And most of them couldn't. She said, would you read this verse right here that's underlined? And they would read it. She said, can you read it out loud? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believed in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then she would tell them what that verse meant. She would tell them what it meant to be saved. And you know what? There was many that were saved out of that woman witnessing to those kids. And one of the cool things was, the way the story goes, is that 24 of the kids that were saved... 24 of them became full-time pastors in the ministry in that, part of, uh, the, uh, in that part of Africa. One person can make a huge difference. Will you care enough to love somebody? Will you care enough to pray? It starts with praying. It starts with praying. And I believe as we pray, God will help us to get a burden. And God will help us to get a heaviness. These are already coming. Please come if you need to come. If you're not saved, I beg you to come. Please don't mess around. Please don't play around with your eternal soul. You have no guarantee of tomorrow. You have no guarantee of next week. The greatest gift you could ever receive is to receive the gift of salvation today. The greatest gift you could ever give to your family is to receive the gift of salvation today if you're not saved. I wasn't going to share this, but I'll share it just as these are coming and praying. I've shared it with you before. Many of you have heard it, but I began to pray for my mom years ago about her being saved. She had made a profession as a kid, you know, said, said a little prayer and everything, but there was never a change in her life. There was never any, anything that really happened. And she began to realize that she wasn't saved. And I began to ask, I actually began to pray, God, help her to see that she's not saved. Because I was just sure that she wasn't based on what she told me. And this may sound awful to you, but you know what I had to begin to do when I would pray for my mom? If you've ever seen Jen Wendell, she likes to highlight and likes to illustrate messages and things that she's thinking. I've done the same thing throughout the years. And I would draw little pictures and doodles of hell, which sounds awful, but I would draw pictures of hell and I would draw figures dropping into hell and I would try to imagine this is what's going to happen to my mom if she does not get saved. My mom's a beautiful lady. My mom's a sweet and a precious lady, but my mom's not saved. And if she does not get saved, God, you don't want her to go to hell. You went to the cross to keep that from happening. But my mom's going to go to hell, Lord. And I would try to imagine and picture that and I would get a burden for my mom and I would pray for my mom. And finally, the glorious day came when my mom got saved by the grace of God. 
I'm telling you, keep on praying. Keep on believing. I still got a dad that needs to be saved. I still got uh, friends and loved ones that need to be saved. I got, I got folks at work, man, that I just love to death. I think the world of them, but they're not saved. There's kids in, in this community. There's adults. There's people that listen to religion has passed by. They feel like the psalmist felt. Does anybody care for me? Nobody cares for me. It is our job to let... We, we love them where they are. We love them where they are. We love them for who they are because God sure does. God sure does. Heavenly Father, God, I speak this message, God, to these people. But Lord, I need this message as much as anybody here today, if not more. I understand that my life can be a testimony and is a, and, and is a testimony to people. But God, help me to speak and communicate Your truth of salvation to all that will listen. Help our church, God, just to be a soul winning church. To keep on, God. We have a church that cares about people, loves people. God, I pray You'll help us continue to do that. To reach people, God. To see You work miracles in, in lives. Hope for the hopeless, dear Lord. To let those that feel like nobody cares let know that we care and that You care. Help us, dear Lord, to make a difference. Help us to be willing to go as far as you would have us to go, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray.